Welcome to Sports Fluent. I'm Anthony Kay. This week, my very special guest, Natalie Allport. Natalie, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So for people that don't know, former national team snowboarder, a bunch of different sports, an entrepreneur, you host a, sh- a podcast, the uh, All In All In podcast, correct? Yes. Plus, plus a digital marketing agency, 93 agency, and about a million other things. First <laughs> of all, where do you find the time? Uh, I mean, I still view my life like as an athlete in the sense of like periodization and, you know, kind of scheduling all my other things around my training. So if I have a light week, I catch up on a bunch of work, you know, I sit down and I catch up on my bookkeeping, all those not so fun things when I'm doing some of my recovery days. And then on those high training days, I'm like, okay, I got to plan things around here. But a lot of the stuff I do is, you know, creating content and that's around my training. So it's, those kind of mashed together. I'm already filming a bunch of my training. As long as I carve out some time to put something together, um, that all aligns. And then same thing with work projects. I'll try to align those on days that I'm a little bit, you know, uh, taking a day off training or taking a light week or something like that. All right. So let's, I'm going to try to, I'll go back to the beginning. I'm going to try to work through this chronologically. So when, how do you start getting into, I don't know if it's snowboarding or what's the first sport maybe you start to get into and how does that become? Cause I know, and for people that have gotten to any certain level, you have to love what you do because it's a lot of time and effort and you're giving up other things to train. So where does, where does that, where did that start? Yeah. I mean, at a very young age, I'm like the oldest child. I have one younger brother. Um, my, my dad, especially was always into sports. He likes to say he was training me since birth. I was doing like sit-ups and, um, leg press against his hands. He says, I'm like, I think that's in retrospect. Like if I turned out not an athlete, maybe you wouldn't have brought those moments up. Um, but I love when he shares some of those stories, but growing up in Canada, like I was on skis at two and a half, um, skates, like as soon as I could walk. So hockey was a big thing. And, um, we lived in Vancouver for a few years or until I was about five. And that's where I learned how to ski. Then I learned how to skateboard when I was like six or so. I don't know how I got into that. Cause my dad and my parents like weren't into that at all, but somehow I took interest. Um, and then hockey, hockey was my main sport growing up. And then it got to a point where one day I traded my rental skis in for a snowboard. Um, it was the only sport that I wasn't naturally talented at a lot of sports. Like since I was a kid, I kind of knew I was going to be an athlete. That was the direction kind of my parents were pushing me into not pushing me, but just naturally I was inclined into. Yeah. yeah. And that I love, like, I really found myself and my confidence when I was doing sports and in gym class and doing those types of things. And, uh, just a kid with high energy and ADHD, it's, uh, you know, that's a good outlet, um, for me were, was sports. Um, but then, yeah, I, I somehow snowboarding, just like it bugged me that I wasn't good at it right away. And so I kept chipping away at that and eventually made the decision to pursue snowboarding, uh, over hockey. So I might be the only Canadian kid, um, who doesn't play hockey. I can barely skate. I I'll admit that. Um, I'm more of a basketball football guy myself. Give me a nice solid ground, I think. So when you get into snowboarding, I do understand the, I couldn't do that. So it kind of, because I was, I was similar. I was really good at football and I didn't pick up a basketball really uh, until the ninth grade. And for my American listeners, that's freshman year. And I wasn't, not to say I wasn't good at it, but I knew I was much better at football. Everyone said, you know, you're just, you're not going to be do anything in basketball. And it drove me to be like, what do you mean? I'm not gonna be good at basketball. Oh, well then this is the thing I'm going to do. So I, I get that part of it for sure. How does it, because when, when I think of training for certain things, 
it's one thing to, you know, practice and train to play, you know, high school, even university, but to be on the national team, what, what goes into that? Maybe people that who haven't, that they don't know about how much more effort, how many parties did you skip? How many, you know, nights out, how many proms did you miss? Like, what are those things that you had to, you felt had to sacrifice, but it was worth it, of course. Yeah. So I think that my snowboarding journey was a little bit unconventional in the sense that like growing up, it wasn't organized. Like I didn't have a coach. It wasn't until, um, I graduated high school that slope style snowboarding. So all the jumps and the rails actually got introduced that it would be an Olympic sport for 2014. So there wasn't actually the national team program for my specific discipline of snowboarding until then. So when I dove like headfirst into snowboarding, my parents were like, what happened to this Olympic dream of playing hockey and all these things? But, you know, there's X Games and do tour and some big events that I was always like, those were kind of like the Olympics of the sport at the time. And there was also, you know, there's filming, there's a, so many different avenues that are more creative in snowboarding than in like a traditional sport where maybe like the NBA, the NFL is your only avenue. So I was kind of self-driven in the sense that I didn't have a coach. Nowadays, there's kids who grow up having a full-time coach, you know, a private coaching program. Um, but I had to teach myself, especially, you know, growing up in Ottawa, there's not any big mountains. I wasn't back in the West Coast where I was right. born. Unfortunately, I'm sure things would have came a little bit easier if uh, I had access to some of that amazing terrain every day. So you're not you're not sliding down the side of the Parliament building or something. There's that doesn't work. Um, so actually, so no part of snowboarding is there's a lot of there's a side of it of filming and people like to film and go and hit rails like in the yeah street. like the go the GoPros and that's one thing you love seeing because you see it from that perspective as if you're doing it right yeah and like and but filming like handrails so like you yeah. go out and you find like rails over staircases and do crazy things and jumps over little building things and whatever and um i took to that especially at a young age and ottawa actually we're getting a lot of pro snowboarders coming to film because we have some good rails so actually right near parliament we have a few pretty like legendary features that snowboarders from around the world come to film so i was definitely doing stuff like that when i was like 15 16 um, but then I also, I got a job as a snowboard instructor. So that convinced my parents to like drive me, uh, right. to the ski hill more often. So I went to like the smallest hill. It takes like 10 seconds to get down, but it was an easy drive. It, it went kind of with the direction of traffic after work. Um, my parents would, would drive me, I guess, 40 minutes each way. And I would work uh, in the weeknights, um, when I wasn't playing school sports and then on the weekends. And then of course, like March break, Christmas break, that was my thing. Um, and then we grew up in a townhouse. I had like this tiny little um staircase and I would push myself down and hit this little jump or this little rail and I would do that before and after school I would bring rails to the local toboggan hills so as much as it wasn't organized so you couldn't be like okay you know you're staying after practice and um right. taking shots I was doing that kind of stuff on my own just because I loved it I just wanted to snowboard in the morning when I woke up I wanted to snowboard after school um in this in the summer I was wakeboarding skateboarding um just trying to do that kind of stuff just because I loved it and then I ended up, you know, starting to take it a little bit more seriously, talked with my guidance counselor, ended up taking some extra school courses. So I ended up graduating high school a uh, semester early. So I missed like all the car rallies. I didn't get a graduate. Uh, I, I did go to prom, but I like missed buying my yearbook. Um, I, all those uh, end of the year parties I missed because I wanted to go to a competition that spring that would have, you know, I would have missed a lot of school as well as get a job so I could work and then start paying for the snowboard career that I wanted to do. Um, ended up winning uh, a big competition that spring. Then that summer, I used all the money I saved up, went out West for a uh, glacier summer camp. And that's when snowboarding. That sounds out. really cold. Uh, no, no, it's warm. <laughs> glacier like in a t-shirt. Really? Okay. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell I have this cold <laughs> phobia already. I was <laughs> okay. So tell me, so tell me about that. So what's what's glacier? What's glacier camp? I, I got to hear that. Yeah. One. So unfortunately, um, like all the glacier camps up in Whistler, they recently got shut down because the glacier was receding because of global yeah. warming and right. because of every rider who was, you know, we're riding it all summer long. So it's, it's speeding up the process, especially they salt the jumps to make them a little bit like harder, especially when it's like slushy wet snow. Um, and so that doesn't help with, with retaining snow up on the glacier, unfortunately, but for many years, like Whistler in the summertime was basically the Mecca of pro snowboarding. It was like all the pro snowboarders, all the national teams, everyone came for basically like the month of July um, and rode this, this glacier camp and people would be filming, people would be training, uh, all these different things. And so I like saved up to, to go. And it was when I was there that they announced that slopestyle snowboarding would be in the next Olympics. Um, and when I got home, uh, like in August, I, it got announced that I was on the junior national team, um, which was like newly founded. So all of a sudden I had to like hire a strength and conditioning coach. Cause my parents were like, I don't want you getting injured. Um, I was 17 at the time I had to find a private coach. So for insurance reasons to compete at any world cups or anything like that, you have to have a coach. Right. And of course, if I want to progress, that was like the natural, um, the natural route of kind of my career. So all of a sudden I had to hire a coach. I had to like relearn the basics of snowboarding. Cause I had taught myself every thing. Um, I moved away and boarded with my coach's parents, um, so that I could basically have, we had a training schedule, usually like five or six days a week. We were on snow, depending on the weather and then had like one day off. And then, so you're snowboarding all day, maybe go to the gym or trampolining after, and then have one rest day a week. Whew. See, that's a lot. Um, are you, are you paying attention? Obviously Beijing now is about, I don't know if it's kicked off or it's about to kick off. I should know this. My brother's there. He's working. He's working it. I probably should have more insight. Um, are you paying attention? Is it, so are you, when you watch, like, are you going to watch and say, I could do that or, oh, that's real. Like, do you appreciate the other snowboarders or do you sit back and go, ah, man, I could do that. Or, oh, they did that wrong. Do you critique them? Um, no, like a lot of it, like a lot of them are my friends that I used to ride with before, you know, I stepped away from the sport. So, um, no, I love to watch it. I think for me personally, the last Olympics were hard because I, I narrowly missed out on 2014, but based on my age, 2018 was my, my full trajectory. That was like, okay, you know, like that's when you're going to be peaking in the sport. And um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I walked away from the sport and of competing, at least in the sport in 2015. And so seeing my friends that, you know, I was like roommates with training partners with, you know, we were at the same level, um, win a medal at, at the, it was bittersweet where I was like, wow, I'm so happy for them. But at the same time, I remember my parents just looked at me and I like got into tears because yeah. I was thinking, what if I stuck with the sport? Like that was my dream and, you know, I gave it up. So it was really hard to, to sit with that. I think now I've gotten kind of, it's been, you know, another four years since then of healing and like just dealing with that. So I, I, I'm just excited to watch and especially the progression that's happened. I watch now and I'm like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Like, I, I don't want to be doing that trick. That's, that's, I could really hurt myself. Yeah. Um, so I watch now just an admiration and like so much respect for the riders that, um, either were younger than me and coming up and are still crushing it, or even that were the people I looked up to when I was starting the sport, some of them are still at the top of their game. And I have so much respect for that as well. So, so, you know, that kind of segued into what I'm going to ask you next. Um, and I hope it doesn't bring up any bad memories, but so why did you step away? Yeah. I mean, a multitude of, of reasons from physical injuries to, to mental injuries. 
Um, when I started the sport, I, I loved it. Like I said, I would spend like 12 hours a day doing it if I could. Um, I was on my snowboard 24 seven, all of a sudden, of course it gets this pressure added that it's kind of your job. But I found I was someone who I love that pressure. Like I wanted to take it seriously. Um, remember when I turned 19, which is the legal drinking age in Canada, I didn't drink for two years. Like I was like, if my competitors are out partying, cause snowboarding does have that connotation of a sport where people do like to like party and yeah. do stuff. I was like, I'm going to go into the gym. And like, that's my extra time because I knew I started a little bit later than other people. I didn't have the same resources and finances of other people. Um, I didn't have the coaching as long. So I was, I had that underdog mentality that like, I need to spend more time. Unfortunately, some of that kind of that mentality, you know, bit me in the butt where instead of focusing on the process and, you know, enjoying, wow, I just had this amazing result at junior worlds. I had the top Canadian result in my first year there. I was like, well, why didn't I win? Um, and then it's like, okay, you're, you're fighting for this Olympic goal and you know, it's a little bit of a far reach for 2014. I was dealing with injuries. I missed a lot of the world cups, but it's at the same time, I'm beating myself up. Cause I'm like, I didn't have that Cinderella story of making it in my head. I had this whole story built up. And then I would also, because I felt I had less time than other people, I would build in my head that I need to land certain tricks every single day. And I was like, I need to land this trick today so that tomorrow I can work on this other new trick. And this is like the stepping stone but that's not how things work. It's not like I can just say, Hey, I'm going to go squat 300 pounds today. So that by next week I'm squatting 315 and then I'm doing this, you know, you, you don't know when you're going to hit those PRs and you're no, especially in a skill-based sport, you don't know when all of a sudden something's going to click and you're going to land it. Um, or for some people it could take three years to land that same trick. Um, you just never know. And so I kind of was harsh on myself every single day. When I would come to the end, I'd have a great day of training, but I'd be like, oh, I didn't land this trick. Um, and so then I beat myself up, I beat myself up, which is a mindset that I've really changed into my training now, where it's like, if I put the effort in, that's all I can control. But back then I was so results-based that it was beating myself up, beating myself up. There's also that hard in-between stage, I think when you're competing at the highest level, but the top people are winning all the prize money. They're paid to be there. You can't go down to another level where you're maybe winning more prize money because you're you are winning, but you're fighting for these 20th places. Yeah. That up and coming level, that in-between level, I think in sports is really difficult mentally and physically. Um, and then there was just with the sport of snowboarding, inevitably there's tons of, of harsh injuries and crashes. And some of those crashes leave you with, uh, what I now recognize as PTSD, which I never really dealt with at the time. Um, I, you know, you think of maybe tweaking your knee or something. And I feel like some of those injuries definitely can leave you with PTSD if it's a really bad tackle or something like that. Sure. But when you're flying like 80 feet in the air and, and you know, you're going to fall, that is like something you don't forget. And now every single time you drop in after that injury or after that big crash and you have to do the same trick or hit the same jump, you're thinking about it again. Yeah. And you have that hesitancy and that fear that comes up and that started coming up more and more often. I started seeing people close to me have really bad and like very serious, um, life-threatening injuries. And that really scared me. And I thought I have other things that I'm also passionate about. Do, do I, is this worth it for me to continue? If I could lose my life doing this, if I could have these serious injuries, um, and I'm looking back, I think there were some more things I could have done maybe with sports psychology and stuff to work through it. Um, but I'm glad that I kind of took that time to step away and, and address my mental health, you know, change my mindset in a sense, as well as just protect. I couldn't get more concussions. Um, I had broken my ribs my last season. There was a, just a lot of injuries adding up. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We, you know, we're, I think we're finally starting 
like, I know it's more out there, but I really think we're still just the tip of the iceberg on talking about mental health and kind of how it affects everybody, but athletes as well. You know, I use my own example where I got injured. My career was done. I couldn't watch college basketball for, I think like 10 years afterwards, just because it would bring up those memories. But I was, I was never supposed to play again. Now, 10 years, I'm obviously playing at a much different level. But I remember thinking I got hurt jumping. As I landed, I landed on someone and I tore everything in my arch, my Achilles and my ankle. And I was done. The next time that I played, like I said, was maybe six, seven years later, I was scared to jump. Yeah. Because in my head, well, every the last time I jumped, well, this is what happened. So is this going to happen the next time? And, and people would laugh at me because I would, you know, <laughs> especially if you're shooting a basketball and you do not leave the ground people look at you a little bit funny. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just nervous, especially if there's a crowd of people around and people don't realize that. And, and I say it in every sport, if you take a bad hit, if you have a bad fall, it doesn't just disappear. And once those start to pile up and those injuries pile up, it's, it's impossible for it not to kind of play a role in the next thing you do. And there was not an out outlet. I don't think at least back then to how do I deal with that? People didn't go like you wouldn't have gone to a therapist and said, hey, I, I had a really bad crash. Can we talk through how I can get over it? People would have laughed. Even I say it now, I'm smiling, but it's not funny. It actually is really serious. So I know that mental health now has become uh, kind of a thing that you, you focus on and, and that kind of that that mindset. How and you did say now you've changed your thinking. What are some of the things that you've changed or the thinking that has changed for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really been reflection over the past few years that I really realized that some of those injuries were like that PTSD built up that has fear. And, um, we did have good sport, like we had sports psychologists, but unfortunately a lot of them came from more traditional sports where it was like performance anxiety or, you know, fear of failure. And I'm like, that's not my fear. My fear is what if I hit this jump wrong and I die and yeah. like, uh, I land on my head and break my neck. Well, yeah, uh, really we, we haven't dealt with that. Right. They hadn't dealt with action sports and that was like that, that missing piece. And so I think it's great that now I think, you know, action sport athletes are prioritizing their mental health. They're maybe be retiring and becoming sports psychologists. There's sports psychologists who have worked more with action sport athletes. So, um, I think that side of things are improving for me personally. I mean, I thought I was, I was really feeling my last season. Like I didn't want to be there. I felt depressed and I felt guilty because I was living this dream from the outside in. And I think that's a big thing in sports is that guilt where, you know, people from the outside think you're successful. You're traveling the world. You're doing the sport. Like you must be so lucky, but you're experiencing depression that adds to the, the depression of if you feel that guilt of you can't complain, you can't share with other people. So when I left the sport, I thought it was, you know, okay, when I leave this, um, take a break from snowboarding, it will improve my mental health. But then of course I went through the whole athlete identity crisis. Am I worth anything uh, to other people as an athlete? Do I matter? Well, who am I now? And so going to therapy, that was huge, you know, getting a diagnosis um, and then going to therapy that was massive for me. Um, another thing was like, just trying to do different things for fun. I had really never done anything just for fun in my life because what I thought was fun was sports and then sports became my career. Um, and then I thought, you know, anything else that I want to do, whether it's like, maybe I want to write something, maybe I want to do something else. Like I don't have time. I, I have to spend every right. waking hour, you know, for this goal, which now I realize is something, if I could go back, um, or what I advise younger athletes is find those outlets. I think it's very good to take care of your mental health through doing these other things, because that's only going to help with your longevity of your career and, and preventing burnout. Well, so and that's why I brought that up, right? That's why I wanted I wanted to get to there is that what are those things you give up? Cause people don't realize, look, it's important. I'm not saying don't chase your journey, chase your dream. 
chase your dream, of course, but understand that that one thing, how many times do we start down a path and that's not the path that we end up finishing? It's all, there's always twists and turns, whether you want them to be there or not. I, I had this flash and that's the reason I jumped in there because I wanted to say to you because you said like wanting to write and I immediately thought, I have this crazy idea and I keep putting it out there into the world, hoping that, because I, I don't know why I haven't done it. I should probably do it, but I'm going to put it out there in the world and hopefully someone picks it up and runs with it. You talked about a Cinderella story. You talked about yours didn't happen the way that you wanted it to. And, and then you talked about writing. And so I'm going to put them together and tell you what my idea is. I want people to write fictional autobiographies. Hmm. Write your own Cinderella story. Okay, it didn't happen for you. You went down another path and we're going to get to these other things. Okay, you want to write? Write what that story looks like to you. How could it have ended? I think that would be a great story because you have so much life experience and true tragedy. So you have the, you know, you have the good part, the tragedy part. Now just finish it off the way you want it to. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever take off, but that's my thing. Um, yeah, I think that could be a good therapeutic practice. I mean, one of the first yeah. things I did in therapy was write a letter to snowboarding. That was something my therapist got me to do. And because I had this resentment built around the sport thinking, what if I just stuck with hockey? Maybe I would be on the national team now, you know, maybe I'd be further in a different sport because it's a sport that has less of these injuries. You know how much time I spent in the gym training, yet you can't really prevent the broken bones and those falls that happen. I, I was able to prevent a lot of like the ACL tears and stuff that plagued a lot of the uh, other snowboarders, but some of the other things are just in, unpreventable. And so I had to really work through that and be like, no, I, I love this sport. I, I gave my all. It turned out this maybe wasn't what I was supposed to do or, or I have to pivot now, but it wasn't like wasted time, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Look, if you look at all the like entrepreneurs, CEOs, a lot of them have sports backgrounds. You do learn a lot in terms of discipline and drive and those things from sports. So it's definitely good. But I hear what you're saying. I got hurt playing basketball and immediately thought, man, a six foot three basketball player versus a six foot three wide receiver. Maybe I should have played football. Maybe I did make the wrong, but what? I can't go back and change it. So how does that now, I'm going to jump to a couple of things. How does that translate now into the nine, three agency? Where does that, is that, did I skip a big chunk or is that kind of the next kind of um, progression? I mean, yeah, like I, I've really been basically competing as a CrossFit athlete. Um, and so that's what I probably spend the most time doing is training. Um, so training in the gym. And that's what it was really cool is I picked that up in my last year of snowboarding. Um, and I learned how to like Olympic lift and all that stuff. And I got, I fell really in love with the gym. I found a lot of confidence there. I was kind of naturally, uh, nat naturally strong. Um, and so I- oh, from I snowboarding, right? You got the legs, the core, you need to, like I've surfed. And I know that was my biggest issue that was, I, you got to work on your core, like for surfing, which I'm similar, I'm assuming and snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I, I think snowboarding definitely helped with like the lower body endurance. Cause you're basically like in a squat for like eight hours a day. <laughs> um, so that definitely helped, but I think just not like as a kid, like I love oh, okay. testing at school. I love the beep test, like, and basically CrossFit was like gym class. Like it was time like out, time out, time out. You did not love the beep test. Oh, I loved it. It was Get the best day here. of my life. <laughs> I, I, I never hated me, but it was like the best day because I, I got to be super competitive and I got to like beat all the guys in my class. And I thought it was so cool. So it was like my time to shine. I know it was painful, but it was like, cause I was good at no, it. I'm sure no, if I no wasn't one good it. at it, it would have been a different experience. Okay. That's the day I, I feel like I was feeling a little sick that day. Um, so, <laughs> so, okay. So tell me about, so nine, three, I, I love that. It's kind of, it's like social, but it, it, it also brings in your passion of like fitness and cross training. So tell me about how does that come about and, and what do you do? 
Yeah. Yeah. So that started kind of like, I, I mean, I've always been interested in business. I had different uh, business ventures since I was like 10 years old. We made and sold agility ladders as a family. My dad's an entrepreneur. So he really got us to dive into that. We were always trying to like make board games and invent them and try to like sell them to companies. We were doing tons of stuff like that. I sold gum at school. Like I was always hustling for something like what? it was just, <laughs> yes. you sold gum at school. Uh, yeah, so I could have money to buy lunch. Like that's, you that's so, what so I where'd do. you get the gum from? Oh, I so this is the worst part. It was it was a free cost of goods sold because I took it from my parents. Oh, they you took their gum. They would go to Costco, buy the huge packs, and then they'd be like, "How are we going through this so fast?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know. I'm I, just I, I really like to chew." you're going through it really quickly. And, um, yeah, I would just take some of them and and sell them. And I would make like deals. Like if you buy three, you get a a thing for a lottery to, to win this signed uh, hockey player card. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Random things, but we were always doing stuff like that. So even in high school, like I took all business electives. Um, and then when I got to to the university stage, my parents made an agreement. Like I wanted to just snowboard. And especially when you're at the national team level, they don't advise that you do school at the same time, especially, um, in the sport of snowboarding, where it's basically like your school semester is your only time that it's winter. Um, but that was my agreement with my parents. If I wanted to do that, I needed like to build that backup plan and go to school. So I did my university degree online in, in business. Um, and I, I started, I really enjoyed business. I love all the aspects of it. And, you know, I was passionate about it. I oh, knew yeah. I You're always You're a born wanted... salesperson. <laughs> yeah. I I'm going to hire you already. This is, that was. <laughs> I knew I always wanted to have, you know, my own business and be an entrepreneur. I think that also like ties back to being like an ADHD kid is like when you're sitting in class, you're like, there's no way I would ever sit behind a desk. Like I'm going to be yeah. an athlete and I'm going to have my own business. Like, I don't think I could have a boss. Like, so that's kind of how it stemmed. And then I learned how to market myself as an athlete, especially in action sports. They're very sponsorship driven. So I had to learn how to sell myself, how to use social media, how to do those things to get sponsorships um, in my sport, especially because I didn't have, you know, the backing of, you know, having a rich family that can pay to fly me around the world as I'm trying to come up in the snowboard scene. Like some of my competitors, I was like, I, I need sponsorships. I need these funding to, to make right. it. So was able to do some of that stuff. Um, a local company that had sponsored me basically took notice and they knew that I had kind of mentioned when I pitched myself to them that I would love to have like a marketing agency one day and that I was studying business in school. And they asked like, could you like manage all our like online marketing? And I was like, yeah, like that sounds good. And I can do it remotely. And like, while I'm traveling and training, so I don't have to work a shitty summer job when I'm back home from snowboarding, I can go to the gym. Right. So started that they became my first client. Once I stepped away from snowboarding, I was able to finally like talk to the people who had, you know, reached out to me through knowing me from that, but I couldn't take on any more clients while I was, you know, training and traveling all the time. Um, basically launched it. Then I think the year after, uh, I stepped away from snowboarding, I moved out, got like a space that had room for an office and had people come to work from there and, um, uh, and do all that kind of stuff. And so we were doing a lot of marketing for different businesses and, and brands and a lot of social media stuff and content. And then we, we pivoted over time to what kind of came from organically from people asking me about my story. And they were like, how did you get sponsorships? I would get messages from Olympians who I never met before. And they say, Hey, like my coach's brother, my uh, neighbor's friend says that you're, you were good at marketing yourself. Like, how can I do that? that? Especially listen, I'm not knocking Canada, but especially Canadian Olympic athletes, there's not a lot of funding uh, compared to some of the other countries. And you have, those things are really important. And if you don't know how, 
it's really hard. Like I, listen, I'm going back a few years to me, but I, I'd never get a basketball scholarship playing basketball in Canada. If I don't go, I was very fortunate. I went to the university of Kentucky for summer camps and that's where I was discovered. I was lucky I, for basketball. It's you need to be in the States. So I was yeah. very lucky that I went there and spent two weeks, made the right connections, but for Canadian Olympians, again, that's why so many do go down and they train. Like I know a lot of track guys who go down and, and, and train in like Texas or California or whatever, yeah. because you need to be seen. So when you can't really, not that you can't go to the States to, to snowboard, but if you stay here, you need to do other things, right? So I'm not surprised that they're reaching out to you because how else are you going to get funding? Yeah. Can I, I'm going to go off topic for a second. It's about funding, but just not something we said we were going to talk about. I know I'm going to get political and you're in Ottawa, so maybe it's okay. <laughs> like, does Canada need to do a better job for its athletes and come up with ways to fund them? Like, obviously they're underfunded. Like, yeah. would, you, would you say that's something they need to look at? Like, do we need to go do some rails up and down parliament? <laughs> not rails. I mean, you know what I mean by rails, not those kind of rails. Yeah. Go to, and, and kind of get their attention and say, hey, like there needs to be some more money here. Definitely some sports. I mean, yeah, I, I would say so for sure. I think there's certain sports that are more funded than others. And I mean, I think right now snowboarding does have a lot of attention because we have some of the best snowboarders in the world from Canada. But then again, like I was just talking with, uh, I was just training just before this with um, athletes from the national team of canoeing and kayaking. Um, and they were, I asked them, I was like, Hey, like, I want to ask you guys, like, what's funding like right now from, you know, being a carded athlete in Canada. Cause I want to compare it to like what I got. And I think they were, they said that they were getting like 2000 every two months. Um, but then the Quebec, the Ontario athletes can't get an Ontario card if they're funded nationally, but the Quebec athletes are able to get tax credits and a monthly stipend from Quebec. Um, in addition to their national. So there's different provinces that do different things. And like I was in Ontario. So uh, yeah. I thought, you know, if I didn't get nationally carded, I was able to get like a $5,000 uh, grant from Quest for Gold, which was like they sold lottery tickets and it went to the athletes. But again, $5,000 when it comes to snowboarding, that's like one trip, two trips. Like yeah. to pay a coach was like $150 a day just for a coach. Then you got to play your pain ticket, uh, your lift tickets. Like there's, it's such an expensive sport. And, um, luckily I think I am grateful that snowboarding was a sponsorship driven sport because we were able to get more sponsors. than if you were thinking like a skeleton or a luge or those right. athletes, I really feel for, cause it's really hard to, to get that, that sponsorship as well as they're only getting TV time really like when it's the Olympics versus right. snowboarding right. kind of has a lot of different. Yeah. You have like other things where they, for sure. People I was going to make, I was going to make a joke about when you brought up and... Quebec, I was going to make a joke about their sovereign nation, but I will not do that. Um, I will, but I will move on to your podcast. So tell me about, yeah, I love podcasts. So tell me, tell me about the podcast is, was that just, again, just a natural progression from, Hey, I'm doing all this stuff and people are asking me questions. And we want to talk about it. And Hey, here's a, here's an outlet to do that. Or was it kind of very specific that this is another way to get the message out? No, just, you know, I had, a, I've been so grateful to have a lot of, you know, friends, high level athlete friends, as well as coaches that I've um, had access to. And I was like, how can we share some of these conversations that we have with other people? Because I think there's so much that people can learn from about mindset, um, the, just the realities of people's journeys, um, where they've been, all these different things, their tips, their, their daily habits, all these things. Um, and how can they, they listen to that and how can they get that insight and, and take it and apply it to their own life, whether they're in sport or not. I think sport is really cool because you can really visualize those life lessons and then anyone can apply 
apply it to anything in any, you know, whether they're a CEO or a working mom or whatever, um, they can, they can take it to their own lives. So it was just a way to get those conversations out there and share, you know, some positive messages, some messages about mindset, the reality of being an athlete, talk on a bunch of different topics and have some deep conversations, especially over the pandemic for me being so isolated with the lockdowns, like all my, my athlete friends were at home. They didn't know what to do with their time. So I was like, let's, let's do this. Let's, uh, share these conversations as well as, you know, give other people some positivity and some ways that they can improve their mindset rather than like sitting at home and complaining, Oh, I can't do this or do that. And then for me, it was like an outlet every single week to have these conversations with uh, my friends or coaches or extended athletes that I hadn't met yet, but asked to be on the podcast and different things like that. um, That was really beneficial for me when I was just like stuck, you know, home alone. Um, All of a sudden I'm having these deeper conversations each week that wasn't about the pandemic or, you know, what's the weather like it was deeper conversations that were really beneficial. Yeah, no, I listen, I started with pre COVID one show a week, and now I do six. So it's, <laughs> this is my therapy session. I, I don't send me a bill, but this is why I do this too. It, it is, it's good to get out there and talk about good and bad stuff. So I'm going to end it on this one. First, where can we, where can everyone find the podcast? The All In Podcast? Yeah, um, anywhere. It's All In with Natalie Allport on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, I'm sure it's on Google, um, wherever so, you listen. Wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay. I know I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this either, but it's been staring me in the face this whole episode. Um, I believe that's your snowboard back there or a snowboard back there. Can we, can we see it? Yeah. Can you tell me about it? Cause it's. So I haven't used it yet. I got it at the start of last season, but unfortunately with the pandemic, I wasn't able to travel. So basically it's a snowboard that splits in half the bindings change. And so you can tour like a skier. So you put skins on the bottom and you can go into the backcountry um, and skin up a mountain. Um, and then you put it back into a snowboard and snowboard down. But we, we, I can do ski touring around here technically, but it's like, I have a season pass. <laughs> Why don't I just take the lift? I'm definitely going to go touring a couple times a season when like the weather isn't the best for, um, riding, but it's mostly used like in deep snow. You don't have a snowmobile. You can get around and go up some, some big mountains and then snowboard down. I had no idea that's what it was. I just thought it was a regular snowboard and I was just looking at it because it looked really cool. I see those eyes of the, I'm assuming wolf staring at me. And I was like, I got to look at that because it's, that's what I love. The one thing I like the snowboarders, skateboarders, they always have kind of cool sports. So I always, I always want to jump in and look at that. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Um, other than, so we already said where we could find the, the, the podcast. Where can people find you, find the 93 agency? How can they get a hold of you if they want to hire you or just want to learn more about, about you? Yeah, I mean, my website, natalieallport.com um, and then just my social media channels. Everything's kind of linked from there. All right, perfect, Natalie. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. For everybody else, until next week, be fluent. Get the full Sports Fluent Anthony K and Friends experience. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. What does it mean to be truly fluent? Support us today for exclusive content, direct one-on-one chats, answers to your questions, and best of all, every quarter, a lucky supporter will be chosen to appear on Sports Fluent and receive some great swag from Boardwalk Los Angeles. How can you support us? Go to anchor.fm slash sports dash fluent slash support.